Welcome to Ask a Jew, where a secular, sinful Israeli speaks to a religious, holy friend. I'm Yael, here with Chayalea, the Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom of Judaism. Uh, <laughs> clearly, I am Ron DeSantis because you live oh. in California. Well, Gavin Newsom is better looking, so I'll take it. He is, but but you know, don't don't sleep on DeSantis. Really? Maybe Seal. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, like guys I mean, who are okay. built like that too. He's a, we should ask our guest what, who she thinks is better. Well, we should ask our guest first of all how before she intro, before we introduce her how tall is Ron DeSantis? Oh, I, I guess think he's you're shorter. Yeah, because that's kind of my type. Never get elected because I like I like men. Somebody once described qualities. my my taste in men as uh, mini bars. Yeah, I like <laughs> mini bars because they're like not quite refrigerators. Like they're they're wide and 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 you know. Short, like you know. Anyway, I don't make them down. <laughs> and well, stopped. and overpriced, and cold. Dollar M and M's, and cold, oh and gosh. no help around the house. <laughs> uh, Megan down. We're here to talk about attractive short men. Oh, with you, I guess. Plan my song. I have a lot to say about that, but I will hold back on that conversation for after <laughs> we need like very high paying subscribers to hear us discuss that topic. Yeah, but I think our listeners tier. know who Megan is. And if you don't, then go uh, <laughs> quickly find her two podcasts, right? Yes. Yeah, really. Yeah, exactly. You have the unspeakable, do the work, do the work, <laughs> uh, the unspeakable, which not to brag, but we're, we're kind of like a big deal there with oh, that really? crowd. Yeah, uh, you are. You're yeah. regulars. And a special place in hell with uh, Sarah Hader, which um, I really enjoy where you guys talk about the difference between millennials and Gen X and just made me realize that I am Gen X and not a millennial. I <laughs> know, though- you, do, you are. So that actually wasn't even our concept for the show. The, mm-hmm. the generational divide kind of like came up organically and we were like, oh, yeah. We're, we're, I don't even think I'm Gen X. I think I'm a boomer. I think I'm a boomer no, at this point. No, don't say that about yourself. <laughs> you have a, you're very, both of you are very Gen X in, in sensibility. Yeah. It's yeah. funny, Sarah sometimes says things on that podcast. If you don't know, Sarah is a, does she describe herself as a former Muslim or? Ex. Ex-Muslim. Ex-Muslim. She's like apostate. X-Men, but right. ex-Muslim, they're all she, superheroes. She said something once on the podcast and I was like, oh my God, we're so the same. And it was like a, her feelings about dogs and pets. And I'm like, yes, when you grow up in like a very religious home, it's that is like normal. And sometimes she'll drop something and I'm like, so similar, even though she grew up Muslim and I'm Jewish. Yeah. There's something so similar about the way we our attitudes towards certain things in the world. It's I really feel like Muslims and Jews should unite with about their hatred of animals. <laughs> and mm, and a, you'll all be, be stronger, but I don't know if that's going to help with the, with the branding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's always good. I had um, somebody, yeah, the animal thing. Somebody actually asked me if I would uh, do a, be in conversation with uh, Peter Singer, you know, the animal oh, rights, yeah. uh, you know, he, he's oh, a philosopher. Yeah. He talks about, he's an ethicist and talks about animal welfare. And okay. I said, I can't, I said, I can't do it because I can't, I'm so upset. I'm so sensitive about animal things. Like anything else, I don't care. People right. like kids, I don't care. But animals, <laughs> I can't tolerate any like slight images of animal suffering. And so I said, I can't do it, but I, and I, but I suggested somebody who could. And then that person said, no, no, I can't do it because I can't, I can't stand it. I can't tolerate it. And so like this poor guy cannot find anybody to do his, be his, be his interlocutor in Los Angeles. I have no problem talking about. Oh, well I'll suggest you. I have no problem talking. 
talking about yeah. it. Well, let me I ask don't know. you this, Megan. What if, and I know you feel very strongly about this, but what if the animal is ugly? Like, what if it's a not cute dog? Um, I still don't think it should suffer. Mm-mm. I think it should be put down, you know. For its ugliness? <laughs> for its size. You know, I'm very, I'm very sizest about, yeah. about dogs. I am too. The only small I only dogs, like big dogs. Yeah. The only small dogs I like are the Jack Russells. No, yeah, I don't like those. I like corgis. I don't even know if they count as small, I, though. I like corgis, medium. too. Yeah, yeah, I like them. And they're mean. What? Aren't they considered no. mean dogs? No, no, no. Corgis? No, yeah. they're the queen's They're the queen's dog. She's not mean. Oh. I mean, I maybe that's why she wants this. a mean dog. It's so interesting. But I only know about German Shepherds. They're great. Kyle has faith. They love Jews. Wow. <laughs> I don't think they can tell. I think a German they Shepherd can, can no, tell No, they, they can Jewish. smell. They can I smell. <laughs> Uh, I get very, I get, very, I stand in line. I like, I stand at attention when I see a German Shepherd. It's just an instinct. I well, can't so help it's it. working. They're, yeah. they're doing their I job. Just, next time you come to New York, next time you come to New York, we're going to do a, um, an experience for you to like a, an exposure therapy. And I'm going to take <laughs> you to meet some of the canines that are, no, that honestly, are German Shepherds. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I grew up extremely scared of dogs. And most people in my community are the same. Very uncomfortable, very scared of dogs. And I literally forced myself to become comfortable around dogs. And mm. it's because many of my friends, as an adult, I had a lot of friends who weren't orthodox and they all had dogs. And do- in the beginning, I would be like, get your f- dog away from me. I couldn't handle it. But then I started to realize like these dogs are really important to them. And I was coming into their homes and being like this psycho bitch, like mm-hmm. get rid of your dog. And no, it's that's like, why I'm you- with people's kids though. Yeah. <laughs> More Can understandable. Get off of me. I know. Yeah. Can you like put I it away? forced Can myself out, to become comfortable. Your apartment smells like kid. So gross. <laughs> well, yeah, really. <laughs> I forced myself now to like just be calm and be comfortable. And like, I still like if a dog licks me or I don't know, I just like, it's you so would hate. Weird. You would hate my dog. I know you invited Hugo to, to come could, to your oh, house. But I don't think you, would, you wouldn't like it. He's very slobbery. I don't he's care huge. now. That's fine. He's huge. And then, but the, the worst thing of him is that he's just like extremely, um, he's, he's his salivary glands are... <laughs> working overtime. Oh He's God. very cute though. I, I, the more I work, cause I, I do the volunteering with the service dogs. The more I work with dogs, the more I, it's kind of changed my relationship to them. Like they don't, they're not pets, these dogs. So, mm. you know, that you give them a lot of love and it's actually part of the training, like to speak like stupid to them, like be like, Oh, good boy. You're supposed to use that voice because the dog needs to know that you're happy. But mm. it is very much like an alpha relationship. Like, it's very important to, like, the dog to, to like, because the dog is going to try to, like, be the alpha. And the dog is going to try to manipulate be. you. It's stressful for the dog. They want to know their place. It's relaxing yeah. to them. Um, but it's it's interesting because they're not, like, you can't do this, like, this, like, you can't work with dogs if you're, like, too much of a dog person, if you're too crazy. Yeah. I was that actually really, Megan, you sent me down a rabbit hole last week that like I'm still traumatized from because on your episode, <laughs> you guys were talking about um, birth control and menstruation, whatever. And so I don't know if you brought it up or the guest about animals who menstruate. And I ended up Googling like, do you remember talking about this? <laughs> oh, and you said monkeys. Oh, I think, I, I think that oh, might have been a God. stupid, that, that might have been a stupid question that I asked, like <laughs> no. akin to... 
asking Razib Khan um, if there were descendants of Jesus the same way there were descendants of, of Mohammed. Of Mo- That's hilarious. <laughs> of, yes. um, so I think I might have asked, do any animals get their periods yes. other than humans. Yes, and I ended up Googling that for two hours, okay, Ew. and reading about monkeys right. who get their period, and I can't, I'm traumatized now. It turns Can out that, like... Can they make little monkey tampons? <laughs> yeah. What if they are transgender? Can they use the tampons also? Yeah. Like, do they have, like, the Dylan Mulvaney? They market them, so monkeys. it's... Yeah, they market okay, them for it, every it, gender. They don't get it every month, though. I think it's right. not as often. It's right, like it's not as often. I mean, many, well, many animals menstruate, obviously, but yeah, it's they go internal. into heat. Well, yeah. Like a dog would, a, a dog, a female dog would go into heat. And I do think that that's kind of a, but that's yeah, like a this, really long. This that's is like really not what I thought we would be and talking this is about gross. on this episode. You, this, this podcast is disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it. Listen, Sarah Megan, Hader would never talk about this. <laughs> this is what our audience wants to hear. The only reason animals who guys don't want to hear it. You've got a lot of men in your audience. They don't want to hear this. That's I don't true. know if we do, do we? <laughs> we do have a lot of men. But I'll be honest with you. All I wanted to talk about, all I thought about the entire, we're recording on a Sunday morning and all Shabbos, all I thought about was Martha Stewart and how we're, we need to discuss Martha Stewart <laughs> on the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. Because Martha Stewart has, in a bikini. I have so many She's, feelings about yeah. this. I, I don't even think the people at Sports <laughs> Illustrated understood what they've unleashed in me now because of that cover. So I'm I have a enraged. question for Megan yeah. about that. And maybe for you too, Hyla, but but Megan, you know, as the, um, I don't know, lead uh, woman figure in our lives right exactly, now. Exactly, um, professional. I just want to know as a woman today in 2023, like where am I, what's expected of me? Am I supposed to like not wear any clothes at all or cover myself <laughs> up? Am I supposed to hate men or am I supposed to like bow down? I just need mm-hmm. to know because I'm, you know, I'm single and I want to, everything I do obviously is like, you know, for, for the male attention. Mm-hmm. So please let me gaze. know. Okay. Yeah. Let me know what, what's expected of me today as a woman. Cause I'm a little confused. I think you just know, have to know how to use filters, photo filters. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, the Martha Stewart thing, what that, child. that was a celebration of photography and yeah. filters. That mm-hmm. is exactly. not even about cosmetic work. Exactly. It's not about Botox. It's not about filters. I mean, sorry, it's not about fillers. It's about filters. And That's and right. frankly, like the, the thing with being my age is that I don't know how to use them. Like, I don't know how to use anything <laughs> on my phone. I, I can barely, it's like, wh- what was I just listening to? Like, if you don't know how to, u- if you don't realize that the like live thing, was I listening to you guys? Were you talking about how like on your phone, like the live, when you take a picture, if it's in like yeah, the live, if it's mode, in live, it moves. It, yeah. Yes. And yeah. I don't know. I it like exactly like it got stuck on that and I didn't know how to turn it off. Like, I don't know anything. So I would never um, use a, any photo that you see of me. That's what I actually look like because I don't know how to like make myself look better. Right. That's good for like, d- if you're ever on a technology. dating site, because men yeah. like pe- men always like complain about women not looking I think like it's their totally photos. True. I think older women are less likely to do that because we, we don't know how to do it. But then the <laughs> but, person is less likely to be disappointed when you see exactly. them in person. No, it's good. So, but, but the, yeah. The, the thing Martha about, like, let's thing. say Martha Stewart looked, let's say she does look super, super hot for 80. How, which 81. I can't believe is like a thing that I'm saying. I um, how is that different? So that's like very, very rare, let's say. I don't think a lot of 81-year-old women look like that. Sorry if I sound like a misogynist. But how is that different from a Victoria's Secret's 19-year-old supermodel who nobody looks like that either? Like we're exactly. doing the same double standard here. Exactly. 
You mean exactly because where right. you go girling, Martha Stewart? What do you? Yeah, exactly. So, no, um, yeah, but you're showing like a un, like of unrealistic expectation to women, right? So yeah, no, I mean, celebrating. It's, it's like yeah, you're also, doing the same thing, right? Also, like she she does look great, but she doesn't. Like she doesn't look like her. Her face no. has completely changed. She so she says that she. That's what prison does to you, Megan. Well, look, you know what? <laughs> she actually looked good when she got out of prison. I mean, she I know did. that was a while ago. People do. It's the same way. Like Saddam Hussein looked good when he got out of prison. <laughs> oh, right. we really need I'm to trying, um, anything, update anything our to circle conversation back to, that, to that subject. But, but <laughs> if you haven't listened to our episode about hot dictators, and I I know what Megan says sounds ridiculous, but it's not. We you know. We, you've, we've we checked. You, you've yeah, you've done the work. Go yeah. on about Matt. No, but, but like, Martha. Martha looked good when she got out of prison. I mean, she even said, like, I'm fit. I'm, you know, I, I, she, she had like slimmed down her. She joined she a gang? Natural. I don't know, but she, she kind of like worked out. She didn't, you know, she just ate the prison food, I guess, or she probably was just like, Ugh, I'm not eating this. So right. whatever. But, <laughs> um, so she, de- but her face looks nothing like her face now. Right. She says in the in the story that she has not had any the way she phrases it is I have not had any surgery and there has been a, no knife has touched oh, my skin. Okay. So but that's okay. like there's a lot of things you can do that don't involve a knife exactly. Yeah. Per se. Exactly. And I don't know why women are so like shy about that. Like you should be like, yeah, I got a really good I did a really nice work on myself. Like it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, her. Fa- I don't. If she didn't, if she hasn't got. Frankly, I think she might look better. I mean, you can look better with a facelift than with like really intense. Yeah, that's why I'm saying. Like, you yeah. should be like, you should be like, yeah, I did this, and it was great, and uh, yeah, you know, like it was I my just, choice. For me, what enrages me is again, once again, right? We tell young girls, look at what you can be, and we give them something that is fake. That mm-hmm. is yeah. not real, right? We show them a picture of an 81-year-old woman that is completely, you know, fixed up and rearranged and totally changed. And we say, here, you too can look like this. Isn't this amazing? And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? This yeah. is not how it's you should, will look at 81. moment in time. And I'm just, I know. And it's it's also, always been that way. I mean, well, always. At least it made more sense when it was a hot girl in a bikini. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the air, the funny thing with the airbrushing too is... Like, I mean, a lot of those models, like if a, a traditional sort of model bikini shoot, the kind of uh, photo shopping that they would do was to actually make her look sometimes like fatter, like rounder. Right. Like those models yeah. are so skinny and scrawny that they look bad in a right. bikini. And so then a lot of like the post production would be to well, make them look less like wrinkly and bony. Runway models are like a weird look, right? Like if you see a runway model on the subway, which sometimes I'll see somebody and you kind of know they're a model because just the, 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 like how tall and and skinny they are, but, and they're beautiful, but not traditionally beautiful. Like they're like, almost look like a little misshapen. Well, a lot of them are intersex, I think. They have intersex conditions. Yeah. That's interesting. Not a lot, but I don't think it's uncommon. Yeah, because yeah, they look like clothes I, hangers. I mean, that's to show clothes. Yeah, fair. It's not fair. about the body. Right. It's about right. showing clothes. Right. Yeah. The thing is, is like, I feel like we're, I'm going to, I'm sort of spitballing here. So maybe this is going to come out wrong. But I feel that there's a war against beauty in a way. And because we're trying to say that we shouldn't have any beauty standards and like, you know, we need it or we should enlarge what we consider to be beautiful. But there's something so natural about being attracted 
to beauty. Mm. I mean, that's just one of the oldest feelings. I, I mean, it, it's a nice piece of art or a good piece of music. I mean, it's the same with the human body. I mean, sometimes you see someone and you're like, wow, I mean, that person is so beautiful. And it's a it's a wonderful privilege that some people have. I mean, that's just the reality. <clears throat> we always say that beauty is the biggest privilege for someone. Mm-hmm. Like I, well, it's a good, war on good biology. People, <laughs> right. But good looking people that I know are better off. I mean, I'm just saying like they get better matches, they get better jobs, they make more money. I mean, it's just a yeah. fact. And so I fighting this idea, I think is stupid. Like beauty is beauty. I'm going always going to appreciate a beautiful person. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. And we're trying to shoehorn everyone into this like world where it doesn't matter. Beauty is irrelevant. It doesn't mean anything. But like, it does. We I don't think anybody believes that. I mean, that's right. one of we these things. Say it. It's yeah. in the culture, but it's everybody knows it's bullshit. It's like right. the the body positivity movement. Is, right. There's a lot of cognitive dissonance there because everybody pretends that it means something, but everybody right. knows deep down it doesn't. It's like you can't it's fake. True. It's true. You know. I've talked about this um, before, but I think, you know, you can't fake attraction and people are trying to tell you like, yeah, everything's okay and everything's acceptable, which, which is fine. I, I, I definitely think we, we can expand the definition of beauty, but it has to be no, like, it has to come from the bottom, not from like the top. Somebody telling us like Lizzo is sexy now, everybody like update your calendars. Lizzo just right. became sexy. You can't um, socially engineer Which is different from saying, like, you know, maybe somebody with a few extra pounds is beautiful. Maybe somebody who's, who's like, in her 50s is also beautiful. But instead, we're going to this extreme of, like, if you're 81 or 400 pounds, then you are the most sexy thing in the world. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't think there's anything wrong with, like, admiring beauty for what it is and then also being attracted to regular-looking people. I'm not saying that you should ignore normal Right. We, I mean, we're all normal. Like everybody's, you know, has good things about them and bad things. I mean, I often, I mean, this is, I can't believe I'm admitting this, but like I often, when I'm people watching or sitting around, I'm like, okay, that person's not so bad. I, how is anyone sleeping with that person? Like I, I do think about <laughs> I it. I mean, do you ever wonder that? Like, <laughs> yes, has this person yes, ever had sex? Yes. Yes. yes especially when it's a, when it's a couple and they're both unattractive. And I'm like, oh. wow. <laughs> but that's sweet. Yeah. But that makes you, sense to me, though. <laughs> But it's I'm when watching you see a couple um, that is doesn't make sense. I'm like, how? How is this happening? I'm watching Friday Night Lights now because I just need like something <gasps> like fun oh, in so the background. Good. And oh, everybody there is just beautiful. Everybody, oh God, except for the guy who's married to Kirsten coach Dunst. Coach is not. Coach is not. Uh, Are you kidding you, me? Coach I, Eric Taylor fine. is my dream man. Really? He is. First of all, he's one of my oldest crushes. I've had a crush on him since he had the show called Early Edition, where he got Tomorrow's Newspaper Today, and he always plays the same character. He's always he's always like worried. He's always yeah. like he's always like annoyed, and he needs he just needs somebody to like put a hand on his shoulder. Yeah. And he's got those like beautiful eyes. Oh, are you kidding me? No, like, he's are you, attractive, but I don't Megan, think are you? Like that. More of a like, uh, who's your more your, of a Buddy Garrity kind of guy? A Buddy Garrity? No, Lights. no, I'm kidding. The character <laughs> on Friday Night Lights. Yeah, he's, he's not unattractive. You. No, he's the. Um, Do you know the unattractive kid Tim there? Riggins. I mean, is that his name? Yeah, Riggins. Oh, oh Tim Riggins. Oh, but he's too beautiful. No, he's so beautiful. I loved him. I like oh the wheelchair God. kid. <laughs> What's his name? Oh yeah, he uh, was he, streets. Um, Street. Jason's, yeah, Jason. He's Street. very handsome. He, I mean, it's yeah, embarrassing how well we know this ha- show. I'm sorry. I mean, but the girl, long... all the women are beautiful, and yeah. 
It, it's just like everybody. Well, Connie old- Britton is very, very sexy on that. I yeah. think so. Uh, and but the funny thing is that then the kid who's like the ugly kid, um, he's married to Kirsten Dunst now. Jesse no Clemens. Yeah. <laughs> I you have to say, of course, he's, I have uh, to he say plays that- uh, Landry. Yeah, Landry. The, mm-hmm. the, the uh, coach and his wife on that show have the mm-hmm. best marriage I've ever seen. Oh, my God. In any TV show. Like, I read somewhere once. of their marriage. I read beautiful. somewhere once that they did, they filmed a sex scene once and they had to cut it because it was so awkward because, <laughs> because Kyle Chandler is just such a wonderful gentleman and a human being that he just like, it was so weird for him that he, it, it was like, it sucked. And so, so I would pay to get my hands on that, that cut scene. <laughs> I'm sure you can. I'm sure you find on one of your weird websites you could probably pay to see it. <laughs> but no, yeah, they really do have a, a beautiful marriage. And uh and she, you know, she's no um shrinking violet, as they say. No, no she's, she's got some interesting character arcs. She lets them have it. I don't want to give away too much since <laughs> from the show from two thousand seven yeah, where everybody I has know. a flip phone. I, but that yeah. could not I mean, you could not make that show today because it's like too wholesome. Right. Everybody's too good looking. Yeah. Some of the like, no like there's there's black characters and white characters, but there's not a ton of talk about like race. No, I mean, and maybe, they're all like all the kids listen to rap and yeah. hip hop and yeah, and much, and when you see yeah. the big shots of the games, like the big like towns in Texas, it's like very multi like cultural because it's who lives in these towns. Yeah, you know, black people, white people, Hispanic people, and they all freaking love football. Yeah, yeah. who would have thought? Love it. I love that show. Yeah. Okay, I'm taking a hard right turn here. So Please. I have a note on my phone that I is con- I'm showing it to you. I know listeners can't hear it, but um, I I take notes when I listen to your podcast because so many things <laughs> come up for me when I listen, mm-hmm. and I'm oh, like, yeah, I don't take any notes. Before I know or after, she, she takes notes when she listens to your podcast, but she doesn't do. even know that we're recording half the time on our podcast. <laughs> It's so true, by the way. But I am, um, because you have had some really good episodes. I mean, all of your episodes are good, but the last few, I'm like, I cannot stop thinking about some of them. And oh, the one you had with the Irish psychoanalyst, I oh, mean, Stella psychotherapist, yeah. amazing. Okay. That conversation, like, and be- maybe it's because I work with college students. So, like, I'm very in tune to like what they're talking about, especially about young girls. And we kind of, we, when this comes out, we have, would have already released our episode with Dr. Drew, where we kind of brought up what's going on with young girls and all of that kind of stuff. But you had another episode about birth control and, you know, being on birth control long-term and what that does to your body and your libido and your mood. And I just like, I don't know, can you like summarize for me where your head is on this stuff right now and why you're so interested in this topic. And I mean, because I'm also oh. obsessed with it, but I'm like, I want to hear from you why you care so much about oh, it. Oh, well, the birth control pill, I don't really care that much about that <laughs> subject, but uh, Holly Griggs Spall was the guest. And um, she's actually somebody that I, she came to an Unspeakeasy event. And the way that we got to know each other, this is actually really nice story. So she um, had been emailing me because, so she wrote a book called Sweetening the Pill. It came out 10 years ago now. And uh, it was about kind of like, you know, what we don't understand about hormonal birth control. Like basically her premise, she's not against hormonal birth control, but she's saying like it was never designed to be used 
for the, you know, somebody's entire reproductive life. Like it was designed for women to use it sort of sporadically when they didn't want to get pregnant for like, you know, a couple of years here and there kind of thing. Um, and now the girls are just put on it like the second they hit puberty. And so, but she had been, um, that book had been optioned and adapted into a documentary that was produced by Ricky Lake, who also produced this documentary, The Business of Being Born. Mm-hmm. And I did, I was not a fan of the documentary. Um, I felt like it was, I, I had the impression that it was trying to sort of like sell the idea that teenagers, uh, teenage girls should use um, not fertility tracking apps. That's not the right term, but like menstrual cycle tracking apps mm-hmm. um, in order to prevent pregnancy, which like in my, you know, Gen X mind is like, no, 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 no. That's right. the rhythm method. Like that's what we call that. And you don't yeah. trust. By the way, I was told, to uh, I was told you shouldn't use those apps because they're going to, you know, when, when we live in a uh, handmaid's tale world, they're going to sell all your data. To right. The yeah. No, I have to talk about that. Yeah. Yes. About it. yeah. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. and you should never even tell your doctor when your last period was because they could sell that to the, <laughs> yeah. to the, to the, you, sh- um, you also shouldn't tell your doctor wives. if you're a biological male or female. No, well, you don't have to. I think yeah. that's optional. Just keep, but, them, keep them on their toes. Um, yeah. So it's funny. So I, I had like, uh, I, I talked about the documentary with Sarah Hader on the podcast and I was like really harsh about it. And um, I was like kind of like kind of bitchy about it. Uh, and then like literally the next day. I get a, an email from Holly uh, applying to come to an unspeakeasy retreat. Oh and I was like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. And I said, okay, you know, like, I got to tell you, um, <laughs> we just recorded this episode and this is what I said about your thing. And we had kind of a tense exchange. You can still come, though. Well, and um, she, we had kind of an intense exchange. And she said, well, that's kind of typical of, because she's a millennial, of uh Gen X older person. <laughs> I was like, ah. and then um, I said, okay, well, why don't you come anyway? And she said, yeah, I'll go. So in the spirit of the whole, the whole mission of the unspeakeasy is to have these conversations. So she came and she's fantastic. Oh. She's so interesting. She's so articulate. She, she brings up these issues that like I never thought about. Um, she's what's incredibly well-informed. She is just somebody who, um, had a like a negative experience with hormonal birth control, and she started looking into it. Uh, and she wrote this book, and now she she does she develops apps. She's you know she she kind of works with tech companies in femtech, the world of femtech. Femtech, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Is that the and, same as as boss lady tech? <laughs> uh, well, there see that part of the reason I didn't like the documentary was because there was this sort of girl boss ethos mm. about it, and that's like a real Sorry, Ricky, Ricky Lake thing. And I, I don't think that Holly, she was a producer on the project. I know she's listening to this, but she's I, I don't you know one should never be held totally responsible for the one the the. the films that right, you know exactly. come out or depth from her work. But anyway, I, I, I just I, I'm so impressed with Holly and she actually did a whole um she led a whole discussion in the Unspeakeasy retreat about this. And um then I ended up asking her to come on the podcast to talk about it. So I don't agree with everything she says, but it's uh it's definitely food for thought. And no, it's uh, great. so anyway, but to answer your question, it's not something I would have thought about. I'm not particularly interested in in that subject, but um, I wanted to have her on because I can't, you know, no, that's of, great. I've had hundreds of episodes and I certainly am not an expert on. <laughs> no, it was them. great. I really enjoyed the conversation. And I, it, it, something that you guys talked about was the, um, 
the app tracking of the periods. And it made yeah. me think about, you know, because of the way that Orthodox couples do their intimacy in their life. Right. You know, we have mikvah apps that we use to put in all of our data so that we can track like when our period is coming or what, you know, all that kind of stuff. When you went to the mikvah last, when you got your period. And in fact, usually the husband is the one who keeps track. It's really interesting. Because <laughs> he wants to know when he can yeah, get it I mean, off. <laughs> no, but it's just, I don't know. I'm sure also some of my... Also because you don't know how to use your phone. No, it's because like, I just can't be bothered. I honestly phones. just cannot be bothered. I literally have to ask my husband. I'm like, when did I get my period last? But like, why do you... <laughs> see, this is the thing. Like, why can't you just write it down like on a, like, on a calendar? Like, I, that's like, so I always talk, just put a little asterisk on yeah, like that. So, people right? don't have calendars anymore. I, know, yes. I, know. I mean, I do, but I have one, app? but I always well, forget to use it. Well, like, just I to have clarify, a calendar hanging, and it's on like it's on like February right oh, now with like just, a, with like a cat, like a hang in yeah. there, hang in, the tree branch. <laughs> hang in there. That's yeah. Funny. Just to clarify, why we have the mikvah app is because if you are in like if you're regular, let's say you get your period every day on the first day of the month, right? So that means that on the first day of the month, you can't touch each other or you can't have sex that day because you are anticipating your period. So oh. if you're the, so when you track it, you know like when your body is going to start menstruating. But like I have never been regular, so it's not a big deal because like I mean this is a lot of information, and Baruch I'm sure is going to be thrilled that I'm sharing this right now. He's but, thrilled um, about everything. He's thrilled about podcast. everything I talk about exactly. Yeah. But um, so it's not really it doesn't really apply. But like if your cycle is like every 29 days, so like on the 29th day you can be like it, there's all this stuff. So when you track it. Um, you just know when you have to go to the mikvah and when you don't. So I was if, just laughing when you were talking. But about you can't. Like, what if on? But on, um, like on Saturdays or whatever, you can't look at your phone. So what if right. you have to? Look, you have to you remember. Can't, you can't Trust me, you know in advance. Okay, but you know. I, I like I like these apps. I mean, I, I only use one. I don't use like several apps. But um, <laughs> you know, for people like like us who kind of I think like control and like knowledge. You know, it's helpful for me. Like, I'll write. Um, again, this is my my time to do some TMI for for the audience. Um, but if I have days, a day where I'm like really moody, and I know, and I can tell that it's like sometimes you just know this is not situational. You yeah, know yeah. that it's like you feel it. It's something in your body, and I'll write it and I'll put it in the app, and then a month later I'll feel the same feeling, and I'll be like, oh, let me check and see, and I'm like, I'm exactly like the same yeah. day in my cycle. Wow. So, you know, there are things that are helpful like that. Did hormonal birth control, I mean, you guys kind of touched on this, but it's something I think about sometimes. Like, did birth control, like, let men off the hook? Yeah, that's... regards to, I mean, I I can't stop thinking about that. That's what Holly talks about. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's incredible to think about, actually. I mean, the I see this was what's fascinating. Like, I had really never thought about it this way because what it does is make infertility the default setting of human existence as opposed to the other way around. So it lowers the stakes. I mean, there's all of the kinds of evolutionary psychology that comes out of this. And some of it is, is bullshit and some of it isn't, but like, I think there's data that says if you're on the birth control pill, like women are, they're less choosy about their mates. Like when you're ovulating, you're going to be more choosy about your mate. Um, you're going to hook up with like higher quality guys. <laughs> uh, as opposed guys to, who are not, tubular, I mean, not, not, I don't know. I mean, that short kind men of stuff that are built like, like mini You're going to hook up with DeSantis. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, if you're not it's, ovulating, it's... I don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, 
Were we recording when we were talking about his Newsom and his descent? That's how we yeah, started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. some some extra stuff there that we kept just for the three of us. But <laughs> okay, um, yeah. So I don't know, but I, I do like. I think it's all these these young feminists are not these young women who are like sort of revisiting the conversation about the women's movement and the sexual revolution in a way that I think um, it's 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 valuable, but I think it's also really threatening to a lot of like older women and, you know, baby boomers. Well, it's threatening to men too. They, men don't know what they're supposed to do. Like, I don't know. I, it's, it's, first of all, this is all irrelevant because nobody's having sex anymore, apparently (laughs) in that generation. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know. I think, I think being a, being a young person is confusing and it's even more confusing now because we're constantly being told that by a lot that we need to like override our biology. And sometimes you do right. need to override your biology. Like if you want to go and like, you know, murder someone, you probably shouldn't, even though you have that, like whatever, like a, the strong <laughs> feeling of anger. Um, you, probably you, shouldn't. if you were born as a murderer, if, if you, you were, were born, just, as, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I mean like, like 10, like caveman tendencies, you know, whatever, right. when you get like, so, so enraged by somebody who's trying to like hurt you or something. But, there are a lot of things in biology that maybe we shouldn't override, like who we're attracted to. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, but who simple. we're attracted to is also it. I mean, it is a social construct. I mean, it's a combination of things. I don't know. I sometimes I think that that who you're attracted to is like determined by something that happened when you were four and like the way like somebody smiled to you. And now yes. you're like, well, now I like people with that smile. That's true. But like. I think it's a combination of things because yeah. I don't like, would you, if somebody who looked like, uh, you know, sh- it, what's that movie Shrek where the guy's Shrek, like yeah. really ugly? Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know, but yeah. So like if somebody looked like that and you, and they smiled at you when you were four. No, but, but they yeah, were still, like, I don't know. Objectively unattractive. There are really two kinds of attractiveness. I mean, there are some people that you have like an immediate attraction to. Mm-hmm. That's just like a gut reaction. And then yeah. there are some people who you get to know over time and they become beautiful in a way, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. because they're just a good person or you start having an interesting relationship with them and it becomes, you know, more intimate or whatever. I think there's attraction can be in in lots of different ways. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just, this whole thing with, this whole thing with birth control and with um, yeah, women and beer. It's so complicated. Oh, women and beer. Can, can we talk about, about women and happy. beer? Um, so uh, this is like very online Twitter thing, but uh, like I think everybody's heard at this point uh, about the, the Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light commercial. Um, Dylan Mulvaney. It's a commercial. It was, he was, it was a, like a little. She was, Dylan Mulvaney was a brand yeah. ambassador. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, my hot take about that is that I don't care. Like it's, if it's one of like a million things that they're doing and it's kind of funny and cute, like who cares? I know it's not a commercial. I mean, that's the thing is I think people are conflating like a massive multi-million dollar ad campaign with making somebody a brand ambassador and letting them plug the product on their Yeah, YouTube. and because like, that person has a gazillion followers, I would let them plug anything at this point. If that if, if Dylan wants to talk about Ask a Jew, I would freaking love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And also, like, Dylan what is if, like... What if Dylan was saying that Dylan was Jewish, though? Uh, appropriating Jewishness. Bring, bring her. Bring her on. But... <laughs> um, I, I, I recruit, uh, you know, different from my people, but, but I'm saying it's like, 
there's that 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 brand of but then there was the other the Miller Lite commercial with Alana Glazer. <laughs> Have you seen that? I, I I sent it to you guys yeah, like you three minutes before my, we started recording. Yeah. Um but it, it was like and I tweeted about this and um I was like these these commercials that are very much like, hey, here's a the, here's like I'll give you the gist of the commercial. Um, hey, women rule, boys drool. Uh, women invented beer and commercials uh, and men um, all they do is drink beer and look at women in bikinis so we are going to ask you to send us all your bad beer ads that feature women in bikinis and we'll recycle them turn them into trash and give them to female brewers who are all (laughs) in a wheelchair and marginalized communities and so, it, and so it was composting. like it's composting, yeah. Um, so they want, and, and I'll put a link to it. And they they use Ilana Glazer as a spokesperson who is very very funny. Normally, amazing um, show from Broad City was a brilliant. Broad show. City is so good. I still like sometimes. <laughs> Oh this is God. like really embarrassing. I'll still sometimes if I'm walking in with my friend uh, in the park and we'll see a hot guy, we'll kind of like mutter to each other like, what a fuck, <laughs> which is something that Ilana Glazer used to <laughs> used to actually yell at people in the park uh, in that show. But Broad City, very, very funny. Um, but yeah, normally funny, except um, this commercial was all about like, I, I, I tweeted about this. It felt like like an AI or like a bunch yeah. of MBAs. Yeah, it where was, like, this is what women like right now, right? It was an SNL sketch. That's yes, what it looked like yes. to me. It, totally. it was, but it like, looked like somebody trying to think what women like based on Twitter. Right. Yeah, no, it was. Exactly. It was like you put into chat GPT what would be the what would be like a an ad, what would be the what do they call it? Like the storyboard right, mm-hmm, for right. an ad uh, with all these ingredients. Yeah. Um, no, it was very strange. I, I saw that and I'm wondering, like, who um, who gets into these marketing roles? Like, do they major in marketing? Like, you can major in corporate communications. People and have their now. pronouns in their LinkedIn but, username. And they're Not in their LinkedIn bio, in their LinkedIn username. Yeah. Like, like these are really high paying jobs. Yeah, you're they're people. Me that, I know these people. They went to school. Okay, with me. yes, tell me. Okay, who are they like and why are they getting hired by these corporations? They're, it obviously doesn't work. Yeah, I don't know. They're like MBAs. They're they're very well educated. Uh, obviously, I'm super generalizing now, but I know people who work for like you know big brands and stuff. Um, overeducated, very uh, could be you know very smart, but very much living and breathing this like corporate world of of Lean In 2.0. Let's call it right. Mm-hmm. So like I don't know if you guys read Lean In when it came out. By yeah, uh, what's yeah, her face? Um, Cheryl Sandberg. Cheryl yeah. Sandberg. I actually really liked it because um, I thought, and people were were criticizing her for not hating on men enough. Um, but you know, it was basically talking about like some of the some of the problems that women have that sometimes women bring upon themselves, where you know they don't want to spoke up or like, oh, I'm so sorry I bothered you, or this might be a stupid question. Yeah. Um, and and the lean in 2.0 is like lean in, flip the table tell, you know, men every time they say something that they're the patriarchy um, and, you know, I don't know, have your period all over the place. Uh, <laughs> that beer commercial made no sense to me. I mean, who, I don't even know who wants that. Who who cares about uh, well, that? Well, I think, oh, I think people are women overestimating were the first it. beer makers. I mean, I know. It's misinformation. They were, uh, 
fake news. Where is the misinformation, Sar, when you need her? No, I just listen. I come. I I hate to always go back to my identity that I, uh, you know, I (laughs) your lived experience, my lived experience. But like, all this stuff is just such BS. Like, stop it, okay? Just stop it. It's stupid. If girls want to drink beer, they'll freaking drink beer. If they don't, who cares? Market when you get your morals and values from corporate America or from pop culture, this is what you end up with. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, your values have to come from something outside of what the media is trying to shove down your throat. That's all. But I think for most people, that's true. Normies aren't interested in this at all. I just don't understand why all this money is being thrown at these people who, uh, these campaigns never work. They're a laughing stock. I think, and I've said this for for a long time, and I I know I was right at the beginning. I hope I'm still right. Um, Is that there, we really, really overestimate the appetite and and thirst for this type of messaging. Yeah. Unfortunately, the the reason I'm I'm less sure of it, let's say 95% sure and not 100% sure, is do I do think it's kind of like, you know, people are just kind of rolling with it and and things are, you know, for for high schoolers now that like five years ago would be like crazier, like becoming a little, a little more normal. But I think they're always kind of talking to what they think is like all women or all young people, but really what they, who are they are talking to is like a fringe element that kind of is taking over the narrative. Yeah. Because I don't think most kids or most women, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but most women who are like, because they're trying to reach young people, young people, young women aren't drinking beer. That's basically the problem, right? Like the, <laughs> they don't give a, a crap about like women's they rights. They want to reach beer. like an audience that's not buying their beer. So I don't know if an average 22-year-old woman in, you know, anywhere in the country will be like, you know what will make me drink more beer? Knowing that I'm helping an indigenous woman, non-binary amputee who also brews beer. I mean, the whole thing is so silly. You know, I it's I used to be really obsessed with ads. Like when I was in high school and in college, um, my favorite columnist in the Village Voice was this writer named Leslie Sabin, who she did an ad criticism column. Like ad ad criticism used to be a genre of cultural criticism. Interesting. I love that. And ad critics, media critics, but there, you know, there were entire people, especially Le- Leslie Sabin. She was this brilliant writer. I should like figure out where she is now. Um, and she would like deconstruct television ads and and print ad campaigns because they were really like the barometer of of what was going on like culturally like the aesthetic that we saw in you know like a Nike ads or yeah. like soda like any any mm. anything like that like it was the people who were working in ad agencies like really understood the culture and were picking up on like very subtle kind of you know, stylistic trends and just kind of attitudes and vibe shifts, you know, yeah. we didn't talk about it that way back yeah. then in a way that like, is just totally lost now. It's like the opposite. Like what you see in an ad is an inverse reflection of what's really going well, on. Let me be yeah, devil's advocate exactly. here to myself um, too. Like, it's like, maybe, I don't know, are, are they seeing something that we're not seeing this like vibe shift or they're just misreading no. the, the vibe shift? I think shift? they're just listening to the wrong people. I, I don't think necessarily the people who were, um, you know, making all these great ads in the past were like super young. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were like Don Draper. They were ad right. geniuses. They yeah. were people who intuitively understood something about the culture and about how to reach people. I don't, they weren't just there 
to sit around being 22 years old. Like yeah. they had some kind of talent. I wonder if it's you're a young person now in a ad agency um, and you come with like, let's say you're a woman and you come with like the super woke idea or project, like, are people going to tell you no, or are people just going to be too scared? <laughs> well, if you're a person of color, I bet they won't tell you no. I mean, people are just going to be like, yeah, you, you Women, know, I yeah. guess like, <laughs> or, or, or people executives might be like, well, you know, we, we know our experience. We know, we know, we know what works, but knowledge is a social construct. And maybe right. this 22 year old knows better than us. I just think and that's that- how you get like box office flops. Right. I think today the biggest thing you could do for your kids is to teach them how to read the media and ads. Like understand yes. from a young age that you are being sold to. Every single thing is to get you Critical to spend their, your money on their product. It's not about values. It's not about morals. It's not, tr- you know, they're not yeah. better than anyone. They are trying to sell to you. And if we could just teach our kids that from like a young age, we would do them a well, huge and media favor. literacy. I mean, yeah. this is the thing too. Yeah. Like so much of this talk about DEI and CRT. Like, are we going to replace all this like critical theory in the school? Like, I can imagine a whole world where there is like a version of 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 CRT, but that's very much driven by media literacy. Right. Like, let's understand systemic racism, but let's also understand what it means to read a newspaper story saying that this many. Mm-hmm. This, this many black trans people are murdered every year. Right. Like these two things, this is all part of the same package. Yeah. yeah. Well, people think Media they literacy. do, they do half of the, half of the work. Like, like they say to themselves, Oh, I learned to be critical of, you know, the mainstream media, Fox news or whatever. Therefore I'm going to read teen Vogue and agree <laughs> with everything they say. It's kind of like conspiracy theorists who like conspiracy theorists, like realize one day that, the government lies. So what they do instead of assuming that everybody lies, they're like, oh, but this person on Reddit, he's the one who's telling the truth because the I government know. is lying. I know. This is my proposal. And yes. I, I think I'm going to try to take this Ban all the way up all to the, the books. Path. No, I think we should get rid of math in school. Like enough. Oh. Yeah, everyone has a calculator all day. Because it's like, racist? Forget oh math. God, I would have been your and best friend. I, I, I got rid of math in my, you know, personally. I was, I was very <laughs> bad at math. Grade. Get rid of math <laughs> so and teach early. media literacy. That's it. Like yeah. that is what they should be doing in school. They should be learning history, literacy, media literacy in particular, critical theory, mm-hmm. thinking, and math is just such a waste of time. Well, but and they also should teach not finance, to be assholes. Finances, yes, finance. Though. They okay, should that's teach true. how to like understand your taxes, like brokerage account or something. Yes, also, I know. we're still not teaching people true. not to be assholes. I know we're like anti-bullying now. Although I was just talking to a friend yesterday, and we were both agreeing that it would, you know, it would it, it would serve the country if we brought back a little bit of bullying. Um, you know, help, in person help. bullying. Yeah, yeah, for children. It's all for online. T- There's never been more bullying, yeah. but it's just all online. But you know, some children need to get to their other. their act together, and they could use a bully to to help them with that. But uh, <laughs> well, here's <laughs> a bully buddy. Only, you should, you should be only a, a bully buddy, like a mentor. A bully buddy. Kind of beats, yeah, beats like a me- like instead school. of a mentor, you get a bully. Because uh-huh. <laughs> let's say you have like. Let's say, I don't know, this is like I'm, I'm treading in very dangerous territory here. But let's say you're a weird dresser, okay? And you don't know. That's not your sense of style. You just dress weird because you don't know better. Wouldn't you appreciate somebody being like, hey, you look like a fucking idiot? And then you can, <laughs> that's you know, older maybe siblings are change your style. Exactly. Yeah, that's an older sibling. Listen, my mother, who's been an educator for 45 years, 
has said from the beginning, when the word bullying started being used in schools, that this was the worst idea ever. Mm. And she, till today, says, we never should have introduced that concept or that word because now every incident that happens in school is bullying. And Mm. she's like, no one can identify anymore who the perpetrators are, who the victims are, what it means. Does it really affect anyone? We use this as a mask of like trying to deal with actual issues that kids have. And she's been against this whole idea. And I was just talking to a friend of mine who's a teacher in a public school here, a middle school in a very nice neighborhood. And she said, she told me this, on Thursday. She said, things are totally out of control. She's like, that day that I spoke to her, she said there was at lunch, two kids, a girl and a boy held down another girl and punched her for 10 minutes Uh, while kids standing uh, around were videotaping the whole entire thing. uh, And she said, what, what bothers her the most is that they have had dozens of assemblies about bystander and about what it, uh, what you should do, how you stand up. And she said, nobody did a thing. She's like, what we are doing is not working. Like we need to acknowledge that what we have tried to do all along is broken and it doesn't work. And so we need to stop with all this language around bullying and, and aggression and all the stuff that we're talking about, and even the word bystander. Like, I don't even know if that's helpful. And I, mm. I keep going back to this thing and I said this to her and she's a very you know, liberal teacher who very much in the, you know, cares about the union, et cetera. And I, th- I said, we need to bring back two words, personal responsibility. That's it. We mm-hmm. just have to talk about that and what it means to be an individual and to take responsibility for the little corner of the world that you occupy and making sure that that is, that you are doing the best you can in that little space that you occupy. And mm-hmm. we have to talk to kids about this and adults too, by the way, we're so busy. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I never judge anyone personally. I think, I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I am totally not, not on the podcast anyway. person. Yeah. No, but like, I need to stop doing that and just think about what am I doing in my little corner of the world to make it better. And I think mm. flipping it maybe into that kind of language can make a difference because what we're doing is not working. Wow. Yeah, uh, response, personal responsibility is something that's very like, you know. Yeah, but you're like it, proud boys if you say that. You're so right wing. Uh, yeah, you're. Yeah, well, because it, it also is like the exact opposite of, of wokeness too. Like all the the wokeness doctrine is a lot of times it's like everything is systemic and everything is somebody else's fault. And like, what if I, you know, you know that meme? Like, what if I told you that you could also fight an unjust system while also accepting that yeah. you, so much is in your control? Right. I know. It's it's people should just listen to our podcast instead of going to school. I know. Yeah. I I mean, but like when you were in school, were kids getting beat up in the schoolyard? I mean, there was a lot of bullying. I mean, I can't, it's really amazing. You go, you look back and it's like the the teachers just kind of like let that go. Like they would just. And kids didn't have phones, but they were standing on the sidelines and cheering. It wasn't common. It was like a big deal when that happened. But, but guess what? I know. I don't, I know so many boys who were just like, every, you know, every day after school, like they knew some kid was going to beat them up. Like there would be like little so phases sad. of their lives where they knew that violent, was going to happen. Like this That's is, sad. I don't know what to attribute this to. I think maybe it's more like a home, home like experience of like, if you grew up in a violent home and violent doesn't just mean like your parents hitting you. It means yelling and grabbing and everything's like escalation, you know, and yeah. everything's a war. Like I saw like a few kids walking down the street the other day and they were like, I don't know, like 12 or 13. And they were just so violent 
with one another. Like yeah. he was like the, a boy grabbed a girl's backpack, like as a joke, which was in itself like pretty violent the way he did it. And she just turned around and slugged him in the shoulder, like <laughs> to the point yeah. where I'm like, Again, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a saint. Like when I was a kid, you know, we would definitely push and shove, but it wasn't like, it, it was so normal to these. It was like such a normal day to day thing. I was like, you guys need to learn to use your fucking words. Well, we should go back yeah. to single gender schools and, uh, <laughs> get bullying. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, listen, I went to, I, you know, till I had boys in my class till I was in fourth grade mm-hmm. and then we so that's when they started becoming sexy in fifth grade. And you we, had were, to we were like, yeah, no, but like we were a very progressive <laughs> school. I mean, for an Orthodox school to be mixed, even, you know, mm-hmm. even until fourth yeah. grade was rare. I mean, most of my nieces and nephews and everyone else, you know, most of my friends' kids go to all boys or all girls schools from yeah. the beginning. And I, I would love to see, I mean, I'm sure they exist and I haven't really done the research, but I would love to see kind of evidence of what a difference that makes in terms but of... But they still academic. hang out. People in girls' schools and boys' school, they still have a no, lot of socializing. No, not after in our school. Not in our community. No, not in your community, I'm no. saying, but like Boys non girls, like not secular not communities. Right, right, in secular communities. But like, what, it, what would a public school playground look like if it was different? You know, like if there were only girls or boys. I mean, it would be, it would be interesting. I mean, I don't know. Uh, if it's not working, why can't we try new things? Or try know. old things? If yeah. I had yeah. kids, I would like like lock them in the basement or something at this point. But you wouldn't homeschool them? Oh, no. no I don't know. Well, that sounds like I a lot of work, I can be honest. No. I don't know. Um, I, just, I, I could never. I mean, we did it during COVID for those oh. like few months. And I mean, <clears throat> I had my four kids each in a different room in my house. Like, thank God I have a house big enough that everyone had a space, including yeah, myself. Yeah, imagine if you lived I, in like Manhattan in a one or two I know. bedroom. Yeah. No, I cannot imagine. A lot imagine. of people do, yeah. I cannot imagine. But um, listen, some people are very successful at homeschooling and I give them credit. I could never do it. I loved when my kids left. It was a very, very good feeling of mine in the morning. I mean, for years I took them to school because I taught in the same school. But like just the fact that they left the house was healthy for me. But um, I don't know, talking about, kids. Uh, I don't know if I want to jump into this right now, <laughs> but yeah, considering that you both don't have kids and I do, and that you had an episode about the woman with the women who wrote the book about childness, childlessness. Oh, Ruby Warrington. Yes. 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 That was also really, really interesting. And yeah, I, the whole time I was just like, and I, I wanted to ask you about this because there is a big difference between women who choose not to have kids, who make a decision, right? And people yeah. who just don't end up having kids because of circumstances, right? And I felt like it was hard to... I mean, she was very much on the train of, like, women who choose not to have kids. Yes, yes. And, like, what... Do you do you have a sense of, like, what percentage of women that is or versus people who just don't it's, end up having it's kids? It's hard or? to measure because people... It's, like, all... It's a lot of it is framing, right? right. I mean, because you can, like you can think you want kids. I mean, I think most of us grow up assuming that we want kids. I mean, I am definitely in the camp of like, I don't want to have them. I didn't want to have them. I'm glad that I don't have them. I'm definitely like in the choose camp. But if you had asked me when I was 22 years old, if I wanted kids, I I would have said yes. And I, I think it's because I I know it's because I associate, I, I just wanted to be a grown up. Mm-hmm. Like my main goal when I was mm-hmm. like in college and right after college was to not be a kid. 
like mm-hmm. to not be a college student. I wanted to be an adult with adult relationships and an adult life. And I was associating that at the time with being a parent. I didn't want to be a parent when I was 22 years old, but like I would watch 30 something okay, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. and think, oh, well, that's an adult. And those people have kids, most of them. So that's what I should do. So, you know, I think by the time I was 25 and I had like been in a relationship where the other person, you know, was like going to be heading in that direction and wanting, like I had to make a deliberate choice to sort of get out of a particular relationship. I think by the time I was 25, I was much more like, okay, I probably don't want this. I mean, I Mm -hmm. certainly, you know, you get into relationship or like you fall in love with somebody and there is, I think it's very natural to like imagine what it would be like to have kids with somebody. Mm-hmm. So all this is to say, is that I think it's hard to measure because yeah. I, I could tell, I could, somebody could frame what I just said and, and they would say, well, look, she did want kids. It just didn't work out for her. She didn't have them and maybe she's okay with it now. So like, that's one yeah. framing, but my framing would be like, no, I'm definitely like the kind of person who should not have kids. <laughs> and I love the fact that I don't have kids. So that's, <laughs> that's very different. Anyway. And yeah. so it's, it's like, it's all this kind of gray area. I don't, yeah. th- I don't think you can measure like how somebody feels like from one well, there's no way to, the to know either, right? Like, right. there's nobody right. who has post had both experiences, <laughs> right? right. Uh, I mean, there are. The, I mean, you can type type. Uh, I regret having kids into Google, and you will be shocked. Really? Yes. Wow. I think a yeah. lot of people, like you said, Megan, are like they want to have kids and they want to get married, as opposed to people who want to be fulfilled or want to have amazing an amazing relationship. Like for me, that's always been the latter. Like I've, I wanted to have, you know, I want to get married. I want to have kids, but it was always secondary to wanting a certain kind of life that makes me happy. So I would never (laughs) kind of just like meet Mr. Good Enough to get married and have kids. But I think a lot of people, but yeah. And, but I also do think that meeting Mr. Good Enough needs to be examined more as a viable option. I think yeah. that, that meeting Mr. Good Enough has been stigmatized well, by people Mr. like me, by the define way. Define Mr. Good time. Enough. Um, you know, somebody who's going to um, be a good partner and has similar goals. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you guys mm-hmm. have talked about this so well. Like, yeah. Kyla, you talk about this so well. Like, we, we, we shouldn't expect our partner to, you know, fill every role. That's they don't right. need to be our best friend and our work colleague and our intellectual sparring partner. Like they don't need to be all those things. They just need to be like what you need them to be to have a family. Like, exactly. so I think that like, I mean, I'm definitely guilty of this. Like I was pretty myopic about the degree to which most people wanted to have kids. Like I, I was kind of strident when I was in my thirties and I don't know, to some extent, early 40s about this. So the thing you know, that I get stuck on, the thing I get stuck on with this, and I, I recognize this is a very hard conversation to have because like I, I have four kids and I, so it's hard for me to relate really to this idea. I mean, I, I understand it. Trust me, I, I do understand it. But the thing that I get stuck on all the time is like, what do we do about regret, right? What do we do about women uh, who turn 60 or 40? 70 or even 50. And it's like, holy shit. Like I, 
you know, that was not the right choice for me. Like I'm lonely or I, you know, I'm looking around and my friends are becoming grandmothers and I have no one to hang out with, you know, and I'm not saying that to make anyone feel bad. I'm, I'm asking a question. No, like, I think this is a this profound is, question. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, and I think about this because there is two different regrets here, right? There's the one regret where it's like, okay, I made a choice, which you live with, right? Like I chose not to have kids. And even though I'm lonely now, like, okay, I had a good life or whatever, you know, but then there's the regret of the women who made choices, not realizing that it was going to lead to being childless and not having a family. And that's, that's the thing that I worry about because I ask, when I ask my students at our Shabbos table, like who wants to have kids, almost none of them raise their hands. And Mm. I think to myself, like many of you, maybe not all, but many of you are going to regret saying that today because it is natural and it is normal to want it's, a family. It's the default. It's, it's what the, most exactly. people want. Like, if, right. I'll give you the flip side yeah. of that. I'll give you the flip side of that. What I mean, you could also regret settling down with Mr. Goodenough, right? Yeah, but, I mean, you could also right. look at your life at 60 and be like, of course. I, and I'm sure know, that happens every day. What if I spent the last 30 years with this like schmuck and we have three kids, one of who is normal, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But I think that there's a sense that, and and this is the point I want to make about it because this is not a, this is not a judgment in any way, but I think that when you, when a girl, a young woman or anyone, anyone thinks about what they want their life to look like, you have to start from an early age making choices that are going to lead you down that path. And I think we often tell young women, like, you don't have to think about it now. Think about it in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years, but all of a sudden you're 37 and now you're like, oh wait, I want to have a family. And now it's really hard to make that happen because it takes five years to find a partner and then you're 42 and then oh, you have infertility issues. I mean, so we should just be honest about- Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And that's been stigmatized. Like having those conversations, it's kind of like the conversations like, well, if you want to keep yourself safe at a frat party, like don't get blackout drunk. drunk. Like I don't like it that that's the reality. I'm sorry that that's the reality, but it's still the reality. Like just because something yeah. is bad doesn't make it untrue. Right, right. So, exactly. So yeah, no, I think that's completely true. And um, I mean, this is like what people like Louise Perry and yeah. Mary Harrington are starting to talk about. Like if you if you know that you want a certain thing, especially we we all have biological clocks. Right. Like, I can't believe the amount of people who still think it's somehow like misogynist to admit that we have a biological clock. It's ridiculous. I like, know. I, you know, I know. I, so, I know. so you have to start making choices, but I don't think that, um, you, you know, it's funny because, uh, like we had Penelope trunk on, on our mm-hmm. show, uh, Sarah Hader and I, and she's like this dating co- life coach dating. Yeah. She's an extremely unusual person an amazing guest. And I hope she comes back, but you know, she was saying like, if you want to settle down and have kids, like, don't live in New York city. Like, mm. like on it, like, this is the thing too. Like, she's like, move. If you know that that's what you want, then go move to the city where you think you're going to raise kids and meet somebody there when you're like, you know, when you're 23, like go move to Minneapolis or wherever it that's is, so like a normal place, yeah, yeah. find a normal guy and have this kind of life. Because this is the thing too, that I, and I'm, yeah, I'm curious what you think about this mm-hmm. because like I went to, okay, I went to Vassar. Mm-hmm. which it was like very few men, very female dominated. Then I graduated and I moved to New York city and I worked in publishing and female dominated. Like I didn't know any men. Like the, I, I shouldn't say that. I did know men. I had boyfriends I dated, but like there was always a sense of scarcity mm-hmm. around that. Yeah. And so like, I feel like if, if you had told me, okay, if you're really serious about this, 
you need to go, you need to move mm-hmm. actually, like you literally right. need to move. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that would just been like a really weird message, but I, I feel like it's a conversation people need to have more of. I know I'm kind of saying a whole bunch of things at once. No, but, I, like, I'm I, curious. I like, you. What you're, the, the thing is like the dating pool in New York city is so skewed. Um, yeah, I mean, but it's also very abundant, you know. I know, than, so I, I know. I feel like I'm saying two different things. But. You know, I, I I sometimes think there's this like an over, you know, like there's so. But they don't many. want to settle down. Like a 25 year old guy in New York City is not going to like marry yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, I've never dated as a 25 year old here, <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think um, I think now, like at my age. There's probably, well, I don't know, actually, there's probably, I want to say there's probably more options in New York City than finding like a 45, 50 year old guy in Minnesota. Um, But then dating apps have also changed the game. I mean, everybody gets divorced equally. So (laughs) I don't know. Hopefully. But, you know, I think, I think the problem with that assumption of like, you have to move if you're serious about it's just like, it's, it's kind of viewing that time in your life is very like, like rigid and you're very much like okay this is my goal and I want to know have a right like, exactly no, but I want to also like experience and I want to f- and I want to meet like you know and I'm thinking of me in my, my 20s like I wanted to settle down and get married but I wanted to also live my life and I wanted to meet all different kinds of men and also different like people in my world and I wasn't like that wasn't like a one-track mind thing and for most people well, I don't know, most is the right word, but like for a lot of people, that kind of does still happens organically, whether it's in New York City or in Tel Aviv or whatnot. But I think you do have a growing number of of women like, you know, me and my girlfriends who just like, I don't know, never thought that we would be in the situation, but it is what it is. And we're kind of making making the best of it and also not giving up either, like not saying like, ah, it's over for us. You know, like That's I'm so interesting. like my, my social calendar is not, you know, it's not boring. Um, no, it's not. You're but, not pathetic. Don't worry, Al. You're not pathetic. <laughs> you're very cool. But also, cool. <laughs> like, I don't know. I can, you can't do this stuff with your head. Like, Kyla, I know in your community, it's very like... Well, it's we're extreme. I mean, I, I you know, I get that. I get that we're on the extreme end of how this works. But like... like maybe if you're, attra- if, you're, if you're looking to settle down with a guy as a secular person and you're very, very attracted to him, but he lies and he cheats or whatever, then, then don't, you know, then go with your head on that one. Yeah, but course. also like if I only you know if I only went with my head like I've met so many amazing men in my life or or just even friends that maybe with my head I wouldn't necessarily gravitate towards that person but something about them was magnetic but, and interesting and they're a good influence on me right but I'm talking about something even a little different not just about attraction to a person but like I mean okay I'll make it personal like my son is turning 21 next week right so mm-hmm. in our community like okay what happens now, right? And so every decision that he's making about his future, which is because he's this is his last year of yeshiva and he has to like decide what to do next year. I mean, so much of it is wrapped up in like, okay, we're going to start looking for his, you know, future partner. And like when, not right now, everybody calm down who's listening, all my friends and family, <laughs> not quite yet. But like, and I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast because he's going to want me to be private oh, about it. Definitely are. No, a little bit I will. But like, I'm not going to, you know, we're very secretive <laughs> anyway, about our email things. is askajewpod at gmail.com. <laughs> no, my kids no are like, we're girls. never, no one's going to marry us because of everything you talk about. But anyway, um, <laughs> the, it, we're very private about it in our community. But the fact is, is like, I'm, I'm watching him kind of detached in a way and thinking like, it's really interesting to see how all of his decisions, even himself that he's thinking about is like, okay, well, I need to move to New York and I, you know, I'm going to get a job and go to school. 
why is he moving to New York? Because he wants to date and marry someone there, right? Because that's where the biggest pool of girls are. And like, he knows that. And so it's just, all of his life choices are leading him down this road at 21 to like finding a partner and getting married and having kids, please God. And so like, it's just as opposed to like my college students who are just like in the world and don't know what to do or where to go. I mean, like what your college students, what kind of life do they imagine for themselves? Yeah, I, I think many of them don't know. I think there's this this like kind of gray matter where they just like can't really see. I mean, they're told that their career should be important to them. But like, what does that even mean today in 2023? People, you know, work from home or don't or are not working or, you know, have some dumb job or like it's. I find that there's just a sense of like aimlessness, right? Of like, what is my life supposed to be? So I say for me, what has been my life is my family, right? My, like my community now, okay, now I'm 40, almost 43. And like, yes, I love how my world has expanded so much because I, but I had this opportunity because my kids were grown already. You know what I mean? I did it in reverse. Yeah, no, that's smart. I think you have to do it early or late. See, this is what's so tyranny of like for women, because it is, if you get to get it right, you're really going to lose time. It's just, there's no, there's no good way around it. I know. There's a huge compromise, no matter what. It's yeah, true, it's a, tr- a trade-off yeah. with anything, right? Like, yeah. even if yeah. you find the man of your dreams and you you meet him and you n- nail it down at twenty-five, and and just you know you're you're missing out on on not, not want to say other men, but like you're you're missing out on like a lot of life experiences because yeah, like a version of life not, that yeah. it seems appealing. I know, but I wonder yeah. if that's gonna stop like I wonder like the sex in the city thing like obviously that was always a cartoon like fairy tale kind of joke but Mm -hmm. it was you know people really internalized that and I think now it's just seen as like very superficial and indulgent and unrealistic like profoundly unrealistic you cannot imagine I'm this is like really (laughs) impersonal but like you can't imagine how many hours I spent watching Sex in the City and feeling <laughs> like such a piece of shit. No, seriously. What, can like, I? I've only watched like three I episodes. Four, like, what's, seriously? Oh, I, I mean, I've watched it like oh, here and there. Like, I know what it's about, but I never watched it, watched it. I mean, it's basically four sing, you know, women, yeah. not necessarily single, but like four but women. But I feel like they're, aren't they all miserable? miserable? What's that? Aren't, aren't they all miserable? Mm, yeah, but they're, like, fab, but they're fabulous. Yeah, yeah. okay. No, so but wait, there you, I see, was. The, yeah. No, there I like, was, you, like having kid after kid, right? It came out probably, I don't know what year did it come out, mid 2000s? I don't know. I'm like blanking on when. No, but like, I think it was still, in, I think it was, was the it 90s. Earlier? It was, was the 90s. Was it yeah. The 90s? Yeah. yeah. So. so, like, I was watching, I just know I was watching it when I had babies. And here I was, like, up all night with screaming babies, throwing up on me, uh, feeling like shit all day and night. You know what I'm saying? Teaching, like, in a job that I really. Was, was okay. And I just looked at that show and I'm like, oh my God, I mean, why can't I have that life? I want to live in an apartment and write for fun and like get published <laughs> and like wear those clothes and have those shoes and, <laughs> and meet interesting Drink people. Drink a lot of wine. Date. No, like I really went through, it really took a toll on me that show because it was so hard for me to watch and not be jealous of their life when mm-hmm. I was in the opposite life. I was mm-hmm. literally in the opposite life. I mean, at one point in the show, Miranda, is it Miranda, the one with the red hair? She yeah. had a baby 
And so there were scenes where she was like desperate to like get away from her baby because he cried all night. And I was like, oh, that's relatable. Like that was the one <laughs> thing I related to in the whole show. Everything else was just like a mystery. But you do know? you see, but right, the fact that you're having that experience, I mean, every young woman yeah. watched that show and thought that that's what she was, the life she I was know. supposed to have. And I feel like that was sort of like the gift of the women's movement. Like, look what we're <laughs> handing you women. Like you get to have this life. Yeah. Your mothers didn't have this. So make the most of it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah but looking back now. Yeah, like, but looking back now, we live in New York and with our best friends. And oh my God. I thought like my life was going to be like friends, like, you I know, live I in never these fabulous apartments. Friends. I just did not oh, think that show was nice. funny. I'm not a friends I, person either. No. I'm, I'm more just, of a Seinfeld yeah. than friends. But but even Seinfeld, like, you know, I, I thought like part of the reason I moved to New York is like growing up on all these shows is like, it's like, yeah, I just like it. Life looks like really, really fun in New York. And it is really fun. I mean, it now is. it's kind it of like be. a fucking hellhole and, you know, you're getting stabbed everywhere you go. Um, yeah. And it's expensive, but it's, it's, wait, it's I need fun. to finish my thought. Know. I need to, I just realized I did not finish, my, I did not complete what my speech was about. I feel like I need to st- stand because... up for um, <laughs> like superficial values here. No. Going to brunch no, because... with your girlfriends is fun. It, it, it No, so listen, this is what I wanted to say. So I was very jealous of the Sex and the City girls and I thought my life is pathetic compared to them and blah, blah, blah. Now, fast forward, right? It's been like 15 or 20 years since that show aired. And I started to realize like, look at my life. I have amazing friends. I meet interesting people. I travel. Now I like, I have four beautiful kids that I really enjoy and I really love them. And yes, it was hell when they were little and I really did not, like that time, but I love being a mother now, right? I love, I have four teenagers. It's great. Um, And like you could, I hate when we say, oh, you can't have it all. You can't have it all. But the truth is sometimes you can make your life work that you do get a lot of the things that you want out of it. Even the things that you're seeing in Sex and the City. I mean, I went to New York last week, hung out with Yael and our friends, right? Met new friends, like Mm -hmm. had a fabulous time as if I, I mean, I didn't exactly look like Carrie Bradshaw, but you know, whatever. Like I was experiencing (laughs) that life, right? We went to museums, we had dinner and lunch and hung out with cool people. Like I, I, so I want to tell young girls like, and just make good choices. Think about what you want your life to look like. Be realistic, right? It does not going to be a TV show, but you could have, you could have so much. And if you just, I I don't know, again, I go back to this thing about making good choices, but really it's about relationships, honestly, like have good friends, have good partners, have like, that's where your focus should be. Your career is, is, I, I hate to be passe. I sound like a right wing nut job, but like, your career is going to be whatever it is. Like that can't be your main thing in life. It's just. But what can't. about the fact that these guys are like failing to launch and they can't rely well, that, on these men to I be know. to be earners? Yeah. And, nobody, and, I mean, nobody do doesn't have, have, a, have a relationship because of their career. I think that's like an excuse that that women no. made. I've made it before too. But you know, it's it's hard to find compatibility. We we expect a lot from life. And I don't want Mr. Good Enough. I don't want Mr. Perfect either. Well, but I want Mr. Almost Perfect. Mr. How about like that? Anybody, because from or Mr. Perfect hearing, for me. What I'm hearing from these young women is that the men their age are just completely not up to the job. Like they're just yeah. not, like, they're not working. They're living with their parents. They're yeah. not motivated. And so, you know, no wonder, like you see they're dating, these women are dating older men, which I don't blame them. I mean, a lot of the time. But not even like, not even in, ironically, I think now that I'm older, my dating pool has, is much better because I'm dating men in their like fifties and, 
and and like just like men who are like more mature and maybe have like you know families of their own but like when i was in my early 30s and stuff the, it, it was hard because you just have more attractive sorry to put myself in this category but whatever like attractive successful smart women than attractive successful smart men yeah but so but what changed but so you're saying that the guys in there now that there's like a group that's getting divorced like there's a new uh, what's <laughs> no, changed then? no i think there are more attractive successful oh, smart men in their get, 50s yeah. than attractive right. successful smart men in their 30s and also well, they've had time to make money and on like oh, establish i, I don't a know and maybe maybe it's a woman thing maybe there's just more like a lot more women women who are looking to date in their 30s than are looking to date in their 40s so like the competition well the other is option is, i don't know but the other option is to marry someone in their 20s and you build them up and you make them into what you want them to be. I mean, that is, that's what we do, right? I married yeah, my husband but that's who was very, 24. But that's, he was that, you're unformed. doing that with your head though. You're like, you're, you're <sighs> expecting a 25 year old today to be like, okay, it is time. Yeah, you're not, like, not going to find like, that looking in, at men and in like New York City. I see. This is the thing. It's like I don't. I could be wrong, but I just feel like that's going to be very hard. This is the concept of the of the cornerstone marriage versus the capstone marriage, yeah. right? Wait, what's I that? Mean, I don't. Well, so this is that. like what I think those guys like Brad, the the marriage project people, like um, Zakay Heimowitz and Brad will. What, I, I, I always mis- get this guy's name wrong. And okay. I shouldn't do it. Um, <laughs> right. So the idea of like, the, so the cornerstone marriage is where you like, you know, get together young oh, and, okay. and you build and you grow together. You know, mm-hmm. you build, um, you build your life together. Sorry. The National Marriage Project. Um, sorry. I actually did a, um, yeah, Brad Wilcox. Okay. The National Marriage Project. Yeah, so this is I, I believe he coined these ideas or maybe he stole them from somebody else. But <laughs> yeah, so the so the cornerstone marriage, you 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 grow together, you build your life together, um, and you can start from a young age. The capstone marriages was like that's what I fantasized about was the capstone marriage, was that you would like get educated, you would like right. be in the world, single person, get really successful. And then you would, you know, in your thirties, you would find somebody who was equally successful and it would be like the power, power couple. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you get together and you get married and that's like the cherry on the top, the capstone marriage. So, yeah. and you know, that, that paradigm of like the power couple was mesmerizing to me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to be like James Carville and Mary Madeline. Yes. Like I, I wanted <laughs> yeah. I, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just like, was so intoxicating to me. Um, and, and I don't know, like, and I just, yeah, the, the idea, even in the nineties, the idea of finding a guy in his twenties when I was in my twenties, that would have been up for that kind of thing. It would have been pretty hard to imagine. And now I can't, it's hard to even imagine. Yeah. Come to think of it, in my twenties, I never dated guys in their (laughs) twenties. Really? Like, yeah. yeah, Cause they were like, sorry, but I'm, I mean, to me, they felt like a bit like losers, especially since I just kind of moved to the U S and I'd already like served in the army and everything coming from Israel. And then I meet these 26 year old, like frat boys. I don't know. I, I think there's like women are still a lot more mature. But the capstone, I haven't heard this term before, but I know a lot of people who have the capstone marriage or relationship. Uh, maybe not a power couple, but just like both coming at it from a in, in the writing group perspective. In the writing group I did with you, Megan, there was a woman in there. I'm not going to say her name because I don't know if I should, but she was saying that she married her husband like she was like 50 something when she yes. met him, right? And it was... I, I, How old I, was he? Saying, 
He was like after a long marriage. I think he was widowed. Oh, maybe? he wasn't like twenty three. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I'm judging. No, but, you no, know, she's he, they're around this. Yeah, yeah. But she was so used to being by herself. I mean, yeah. that's what she talks about. Yeah. I just saw a woman on my on my Facebook yeah. who's who's somebody I've lost touch with. She's got to be like, I don't know. She's forty five, maybe forty six. Gorgeous. Never heard of her with anyone. Always really, really super shy. Not very social. And I just saw she got engaged. And I'm like, you know, you. I don't know. There are a lot of different ways. I don't want to come off. I just don't want to come off as judgmental. I I got. No, 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 I'm not. I hate the opposite. No, I think this is so important. Yeah, and I just I think like. I just feel like we have to be very um, just blunt about the reality, like yeah. the reality of the dating pool, the reality of the, of the like, well, and the reality the of econ- marriage. The dating economy. Yes. Yes. It's brutal. But Megan, would you, yes. do you think you could go, like, if you could go back to your like thirties, would you have changed something knowing what no, you know No, that's now? the thing is like, and these, this is like what the regret thing is yeah. interesting too. Like there are definitely things I regret. And, and that's one of the things Stella O'Malley was saying that like regret is the bravest kind of mm. emotion yeah. or thing yeah. to do. You're like admitting like, defeat in yeah, a way. Because all we do actually is go through life and like reframe, reframe. I mean, that's actually a very good, healthy coping mechanism. Like yeah, I'm not going to wallow in self-pity. I'm going to like reframe the situation. So, yeah. but yeah, no, there are things lately that I've been like able to say, well, I regret like such and such decision. Now, mm-hmm. would I go back? I, I don't regret I, Actually, like even though I got divorced, I consider my marriage successful. <laughs> I consider this successful relationship. Like even though it yeah. ended, it's like... We were just, you know, we're, he's really we're, nice, by the way. I met him. Like, yeah, he's no, great. we were really good friends. He's really and, good um, looking, and I, I know he is. <laughs> I thought he was really um, good. Uh, but yeah, that was definitely like a capstone thing. Like, I actually, that I, I feel like I got really lucky. Like, we met in, in our mid thirties, mm-hmm. and we were both like sort of equal, like you know, professionally, and um, that actually like worked out. I was like, wow, like I, this actually like worked out. Like I played Mm. this right. And I definitely like veered all over the road. I mean, I had weird relationships and I like moved to Nebraska when I was 30 and lived in Nebraska (laughs) (laughs) and had a whole, whole life there. So you did the thing that, that, you know. I had an adventure, but then, yeah, but then I kind of like came down. Oh, I didn't move to Nebraska. Everyone said like, you must be moving to Nebraska to, because you met a guy there and was like, nope. Um, I just wanted uh, to do something. I wanted to make a sharp left turn, but um, Mm. no, I actually would not, um, redo anything relationship wise at all but mm-hmm. i'm also an outlier like i'm really yeah. unusual i don't i like being by myself i have a fa- i come from a family that for better or worse like we just were not family oriented my brother doesn't have kids either I, you can call it sad you can call it fucked up whatever it is right it, it just is what it is like i i can i was actually thinking about this like i i can imagine I can imagine being happy as a mother if I was an entirely different person. <laughs> like, I can imagine that. That's but so funny. There's that's, all, in, that's interesting. Yeah, because yeah, you know yourself. Like, I, I yeah. But, like, I, there's I just, just some things you cannot go back and change, and that's really hard to live with. I mean, I, I know for yeah. myself there are things that, you know, I wish, I mean, this is totally, like, self, I mean, whatever, but like, I wish I fought harder to have more kids, you know, like we, you know, Mm -hmm. after four could, I didn't get pregnant. And I went once I went to the doctor once who was like an older Asian man. And he's like, 
are you joking? You have four sons. Why are you here? He was like yeah. mad at me that I was like something really? wrong. Really? He didn't Policy. understand. He was like really annoyed at really? me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He was really annoyed. And at the time, there's no doctors in your community. Well, like I didn't want to talk about it. I was like embarrassed. Like why, oh. why, why am I not getting pregnant? And like also I did feel weird that I had four kids and I was like, like upset and I wanted more. Mm. And so like I kind of stopped, you know, thinking about it. I mean, I look back and I'm like, maybe I could have done more. We should have had more kids, you know? Like, I don't know. My husband for sure wishes we had more kids. It's very hard for him. He's sad that like my youngest son is moving out of the house in the fall and like we're going to be an empty nest couple and we're like in our 40s, right? And so- Listen, when Coach Eric Taylor's wife got accidentally pregnant (laughs) before he took the job in Austin, it wasn't perfect for them either. You know what? That's the one thing about that show that pissed me off. Yeah, I can't stand on TV shows when they have like, a kid like they've got like a you know an 18 year old and then suddenly the wife's pregnant again oh. and they're all happy like, <laughs> it happened I, though no. it happened to my sister i'm sorry to talk about really her kids, but they I never mean, have miscarriage okay, okay they, sorry, she go. had like they had like uh you know they weren't planning and they didn't think they could have more kids and there you go i know and, now, Actually, and then they, they had the best one She's like the best out of all four of them. And I don't um, mind yeah, if they're listening. I want to I ask you this, I'm actually, kidding, about, about Israel and dating, because this came up with Sarah <laughs> and I the other day. No, okay. this has to do with the army. Okay, because Sarah Hader thinks that everybody in the U.S. should be required to do some kind of, like, military service, like like kind of American kind service, of thing. I yeah, actually yeah. think this is really good. She, she yeah. thinks, because because in the, in the military, like, you are with all kinds of people. Like, mm-hmm. you, yeah. you are exposed to people from different backgrounds and cultures and class levels. And, and so in addition to like, kind of like getting the woke idiocy out of you, um, she thinks it would be a good way for people to maybe like meet. And so I thought, well, how does it work in Israel? Like do people meet in the army and it's like a good mating? Oh yeah. 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 A lot of people meet in the army. I know I have a lot of friends who met in the army. Yeah. It's great for that. I think you can't really like do it in a vacuum though. It's, it helps that you're country is in like constant threat of annihilation <laughs> to, to like compel yeah, people to go to the army. Like, like, so people want to go for the, the most part and, and they want to, you know, do something valuable and, and kind of give back, but it's very tangible in Israel. Like the giving back is something you can see and feel every day. I don't know if I always mm. tell when people come to me with that, cause a lot True. of times people say like, Oh, I wish we had mandatory service here. And I'm like, well, you should just be thankful that you don't have to, you know, <laughs> Um, not to say that people maybe shouldn't be required to do something, but, um, because I think people in America and I, you know, I love America. I'm an immigrant to this country. I'm, I love America more than most Americans, but there's a, like, I think there's, um, a kind of a superficial virus. Like people are just like, can be so like on the surface of things and like not, not experience because they don't have experience. They don't have exposure, but yet they seem to have very strong opinions about things. I've recommended this book so many times on the podcast, but if you haven't read Sebastian Younger's book, Tribe, it's really good because he writes about, about, I mean, it's a short, easy book and it's really profound because he writes about why we don't feel tribal here in this country and how it Mm. would help us if we did. And it's about taking responsibility for others. And he talks about national service. When everybody is required to give of themselves, you end up feeling like you own part of this story. And so you just care about it more. And look, we Um, have, we're going through a lot of turmoil in Israel now. Politically, the country really is divided. It's, it's pretty ugly. Um, A lot of, a lot of protests and a lot of like people hating, you know, the other. And then we had a war a few weeks ago 
And it's not like all of a sudden everybody like stopped. <laughs> so started weird. You had a war a few yeah, weeks ago. Yeah. Like, well, it's, it's over us. now. Like, Last time we had a war, I was I was doing a meditation retreat. Talk about like you know being the, the uh, Hamas and Islamic Jihad to get they get their period every May. Yeah, it's, there. <laughs> it's when they get their period in every it's, May. Israel maybe it's like Poland. Like, mm. Maybe they're having like allergies or something. They're oh, very no, allergic. It's, it's really annoying. But it's it's not like people all of a sudden were like, oh, you know, we all love each other now. But you know, people kind of stepped up, and the, all the people go to reserve duty, and all the people who kind of like help each other. And and at the end of the day, if if you're like. I don't think there's much of a bystander effect in Israel. Like if, yeah. if something happens because things happen all the time, then everybody kind of steps up. And the last few terrorist attacks that we had in Israel, the the terrorist was was neutralized, aka killed by uh, a civilian, by somebody who just happened to be in the area and was armed. And by the way, Israel is mm. not a very armed country. There's actually very strict gun control, but a lot of people are armed because a lot of people work in security and work in like military roles. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, it's like, but again, would I trade that for comfort and not thinking you're going to die? I don't know. I mean, is it terrible? Trade-off. I have to admit something really bad, but I was really not, I shouldn't say happy, but I was, <laughs> I was kind of happy that that little war happened when it did, because I'm going to Israel on my, next Monday, mm. and I was worried that the war was going to happen while I was there, <laughs> and like that would have really like sucked for my students. I so. would love for a war to happen when I'm with people from no. another country. I'm like, no, I want people terrible. to understand what life is like. Yeah, but the American and parents were so like high strung. No, but the American parents can't handle it. And when I was there, no, last that's why it needs to happen students. when you're already there. Yeah, not yeah, before yeah. you go. No, then they but cancel. no, it was horrible. I, a couple of trips ago, when I took <laughs> non-Jewish students, there was something going on, and my phone did not stop from parents freaking out because if you don't know mm. Israel you think that you're literally going to be bombed this second. But yeah, they don't yeah, understand yeah. that like, okay, we're in Jerusalem or we're here. It's we're there, like you know. we're in Chicago and yeah. whatever, a nice neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. We're not on like, you know, the South side. But the funny part yeah. is that I take these kids to Ramallah to meet with the Palestinian Authority and the parents don't say anything. But the second they hear that Hamas is throwing a rocket, they're freaking out. And I'm like, we did way more dangerous things yeah. than what you yeah. are talking about. So but it's not, I want people to experience not just the rockets, but also the complete back to normal. Yeah. Like, the way there everyone will goes be, on. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll never forget like sitting at a bar when this was when I was, I was, this was during the war in Lebanon. So it was 2006 and I was doing reserve duty and I was home um, for the weekend and I went to a bar, beach bar with my friends and we were all out there drinking and the F-16s and the helicopters are flying like yeah. over us. And we were like clapping because like that's going to be tomorrow. Like we're off tonight, but you guys are on. Yeah. And it's like nobody's like in the 90s when there were a lot of terrorist attacks, people would like stay home and there would be sad music for days. <laughs> and then at some point people are like, okay, like you will see the coffee. If there's a terrorist attack somewhere the next day, I'm not exaggerating the coffee shop will be, the same yeah. coffee shop will be open and like packed. tons of business. Yeah. yeah, Like almost like on like, you know, like defiantly. So yeah. I don't know how we got totally. from like, I know babies <laughs> to this. <laughs> Shoot. We've been going for an hour and a half. Should we let Megan uh, know. Uh, we go back to her life? Well, also we uh, want to gossip with not on that. Oh yeah. We want to, we want to stop recording so we can gossip <laughs> uh, about more things. What if, if somebody paid like $10,000 to, oh, you know, $10,000 level, would you let them listen to the gossip? Yeah. I think we that would be worth it. We always joke that 
if 10, we did 000, like yeah. a, a Patreon level or something like that, we would release the 10 minutes before we start recording <laughs> when we're just like catching up. Oh, I know. But then, oh. th- those are pretty bad. Wait, I want to say one thing before we go, because I was just looking at my notes. I wanted to throw this out there because I don't know if I've ever talked about it before on the podcast. But one of the things that you were talking about on one of your um, episodes was about therapy. And I wanted to throw out that in our community, because, you know, I'm Hasidic, we have a Rebbe, and the Rebbe was very adamant that everybody have what we call a mashpia, which is a, um, I should have thought of the English word before I threw this whole concept out, but uh, like a mentor, okay? And the, the hmm. idea is, is that you find someone in the community who you admire, who you click with, you know, who's somebody who you like, and they become your personal mentor, right? And you run things by them, you talk through your issues with them, you do all these things. And what I like about that over a therapist is that the mentor, this mashpia, knows you. They know your family. They understand the context of your life and your community. So when you're telling them all of your issues, they know where you're coming from and what, what, you know, how they could help you. And also it's understood that they're actually going to give you advice. They're not just there to listen. It's not a sounding board. I think a sounding board. They're not going to spill the beans. They're not going to tell you. No, it's very, very private. It's very, it's a really deep relationship between a mashpia and the person who selects them as a mashpia. And I just, I really want to encourage young people to think about like finding someone like that in their lives. And even women our age, like it's just helpful to have someone who you trust, who's a bit of an authority figure, but not, it doesn't have to be a rabbi. Somebody who has a life that you want to have. I think that's that's brilliant, but it's it's going to be hard to find somebody who knows your family, but like they're not going to know your family. Like if you're not in the community, like you're not going to. It doesn't have to be exactly that. I mean, obviously in our community, it's easier to, you know, to, even if they don't know you or exact family, they know what you, who you are or what your, the idea of you. But I think it's really helpful for people if you're struggling, right? Especially women, right? It's okay to find someone, a friend, even an older friend, right? Mm -hmm. And say like, look, I need someone to like run things by. Is this normal? Is this not normal? I don't want to go to a therapist. I just want to know if my, am I normal? And then all of a sudden this person's like, you're so normal. I had this yesterday or had this last week or, you know, and I just just a friend though. (laughs) No, because I think a lot of times we don't want to be judged by our friends or we don't trust our friends, especially in groups. Like, oh, if I tell you, you're going to tell our other friend, like there's a certain, you know, I think you need someone outside of your friend group who you admire you know, it would be like, I don't know, uh, just, let's say I reached, even like someone like Megan, right? If I reached out to you and Is was like- Is this a very oh. long wind up to saying you want me to yes. be your advice? I would like you to be my advice. It's an unpaid <laughs> job. You just so you to my know. life, I know. <laughs> but, right, but also because your friend is sometimes going to just appease you. Be yeah. like, no, yeah, you're not. Exactly. You just, he, he, de- he definitely likes you. Yeah, exactly. No, that sounds very healthy. Busy. That's why he rejected you. It right? sounds yeah. very healthy that you're chasing- someone married it sounds great yeah, like that's no. your friend is gonna be like yeah so I think it's yeah I just I wanted to throw that idea out there that people should consider if they could find someone um and you just and be it's like I know it's uncomfortable maybe in the beginning to say like hey I really need someone who can be a bit of a mentor to me but I think it's it could be in the long term really really helpful it doesn't have to be someone you pay. It doesn't have to be a therapist who's just going to, you know, listen or whatever. It could be someone who you admire, who you want to learn from. I just, I don't know. I want I wrote that in my notes that I want to say that when I yeah. speak to you next because it could help people. 
So, okay, I don't know how they can. So there should yeah, be an app. There should be an app for finding those people. Yes, it's true. Some, oh my god, I should stay in the Match community. Maybe app. that is such uh. a good idea. An app for that. I <laughs> like love a that. mentorship app. Yeah, exactly. People used we to have that mentored. in the uns. In, oh, can I plug the unspeakeasy? Please do. We no, 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 we can only talk about our I, podcast. No, but no, actually, I we do it. have in the un, well. So okay, like if. I, I've started this um, free thinking women's community called the Unspeakeasy, and we have retreats, in person retreats, That's as well great. as an online. And we had community. a crossover. We met one of your lovely listeners um, on in our happy hour, which was very nice. One of my, the members, yeah, yeah, right. on the Unspeakeasy, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, which so, I am a member as well. I know you guys were both in the, in the community. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the, fa- so the, the retreats are like, we have them in different locations. We have one coming up in Austin, Texas, the weekend of July 24th, 25th. They're capped at 15 women, generally speaking. Um, but they, there's a few more spaces and, uh, it's incredible, but I do, I will say that the online community we built and the whole idea was that it was going to be like self-running. I wasn't going to have to have anything to do with it. Like I was mm-hmm. just, it was going to be on its own. I love it. I, I'm in there all the time. Oh, it's like I a little that. mini private Aww. Facebook. It's like all your smartest friends mm-hmm. with, um, you know, it's like the best comment threads you ever read. And we if have you want to know and, that you're not crazy, go there yeah. because and, you might I mean, think you're amazing. crazy and then you right. go there and you're like, oh, I'm not. But the reason, anyway, the reason I even brought it up is because we have this feature called Coffee Dates where we match um, women who, one-on-one, who want to just like get together either on Zoom or in real life sometimes and and talk about things. So it is a kind of form of mentorship that you can find within there. Or just meeting people who are normal like you. I don't know if any if I have any way to help anyone or offer any advice, but if anybody, because I'm kind of a mess, but if anybody wants to meet me for coffee from the Unspeakeasy, I'm very oh, really? happy. I'm super happy to. Oh, I would love to. Okay, I'd love yeah. to. Her Shabbat dinner. Should I put it? Oh, I'll yeah. put it in the. I'll put it in the group. Yeah, but, I mean the coffee. Yeah, it's virtual. I mean it's definitely yeah. vir- like because there, there's women all over the world. I mean we have people in different countries and um, yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, you. I think you you'd be offer a, me a, up. I would advice from you actually. <laughs> Seriously, uh, uh, well, we so need funny. to make it to one of the retreats one day. Cause I know, like fun. We did. We will. We will. Yeah, yeah. I want to. We're gonna. Yeah, we need it's to a, do it. Kyla, we need to like schedule it sometime it was where we can do it together. One of the best days of my whole life. Maybe like after like having my the days my four kids were born, and maybe like the day of my marriage was the day I went to Megan's party in Pacific Palisades, oh. <laughs> and people oh, were so excited really? to meet me. And I was like, oh my God, this feels great. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing that people were like, oh, I was like, hi, I'm Kyla. And they're like, we know who you are. I'm like, oh, that's so cute. Because that's what it would think, be. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying you to were think in New York, me. that would be every day. Because you every yeah. every time you went out to a <laughs> yeah, to right. A, I'm trying to think of me meeting events. somebody who was on the Megan Down podcast and being like, oh my God, that person was on Megan Down's show. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I was on Megan Down's show. We have That's many so cool. people in the, there are many guests who are in the on Speakeasy. Yeah, I know. Community. I've oh, seen that. Wow. It's Can so you, cool. When yeah. are you throwing another party? I know. Well, that, I didn't, somebody threw that party for me. I didn't Can't you do it again? Party. We should do an Unspeakeasy Shabbat dinner. Oh, we can we do, do an unspeakeasy no, ask a Jew like crossover party? We should do that. No, I'll fly I mean, over the that. thing is, the unspeakeasy is all women. Yeah, that's fine. So Let's do a Shabbat a, dinner. Okay, we'll really? plan it offline, but I think it could be. Yeah. I think it could be really cool. It yeah. doesn't even have to be in LA. I mean, 
Well, I mean, well, it's easier. At, oh, it's, I thought it was at your house. Yeah, my like, house. You're not obviously. Yeah. At your house. No, I should invite but everyone over. We, we could, could do like a beautiful. I'll send my husband away for the weekend. Oh, and we could do like a beautiful. I mean, we dinner. are gonna do. Okay, actually, I mean, I am gonna. Uh, the the women's thing is definitely like the the signature offering of the enterprise. But I do yeah. want to expand it to men. I mean, a lot of men want to get in on it. So, okay, like, but let's not do that the weekend. We do not, the Shabbat dinner. No. But we do have a we, we have on speakeasy for all hangouts like we had in Seattle and Minneapolis. That's cute. The retreats. Be, this had, could be our LA, your LA your uh, LA retreat. Well, this could be an addition. No, it is. I shouldn't. No, the retreats are special. This should be just like an additional like fun thing if we want to if people want to come. Yeah, we'll go in the community. I mean, they're already organizing in the in the community, in the online community. They're already organizing the the little local meetups. I mean, they're already happening. So you could just just go in the community and say that you're going to do it. Okay. Whoa! You heard it here. My phone. My phone dropping. Somebody was applauding. You heard it here first. We're gonna do a Shabbat dinner for um, women. In the you don't have to be Jewish to come. No, it's not for. It's definitely not. (laughs) No, I'm just telling that to Definitely people not. who might I mean, not I'm, know. Because if I'm coming. Of course you're Definitely. coming. I mean, I hope you're Jewish, Jewish, Megan. We've already established no. that. <laughs> Thank you. It's so nice. All right. We'll let you okay. go, but also let you uh, continue <laughs> to gossip with us offline. Uh, okay. Follow All us right. on Substack, askajew.substack.com. Um, and Megan, what's your, what's the, it's unspeakeasy.com. Oh God. How yeah. do we, yeah. The <laughs> yes, unspeakeasy.com yes. is where you find unspeakeasy stuff. We'll um, put it all in the my, show notes. But I also have too. my podcasts, which are unrelated to the unspeakeasy. The unspeakable podcast is my weekly interview love show. It. And I love I it so much. In hell with Sarah Hader. Yeah. Yes. Good. So listen to the, both awesome. of those. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Really Bye. a privilege Bye. to have you. I love being here. 